Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 218 of the Spoiler Alert Podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm joined by Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing 2018's action-adventure thriller Skyscraper, starring Noah Taylor. Mike, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a little stressed. I actually watched the James Bond movie Skyfall. That is the movie that I had picked for oh, this week's podcast. That's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, I would never pick this movie. Um, I'm going to need a hard oh. stop. Let's uh, let's take a hard stop. Really? Yeah, I did not pick this. I'm you all for the this. hard stop, but I'm pretty positive you picked this one. So no, we'll no. do the hard stop. Okay. All right, we're back. Okay, All right. how did you like... Oh, we'll talk about Skyscraper, but I'm glad we took that hard stop. Also, I'm glad we took that time to sort out the fact that you indeed picked this movie and put it on the list. Uh, <laughs> listeners, whether or not we'll actually cover it, Mike also chose The Meg uh, for another movie. I'm just going to go ahead and plant that seed that if we end up discussing The Meg... I didn't that choose was Mike's it. choice. We, we, I just floated mm. it. Mm. Anyway... <laughs> Mike, how are you doing? I, I, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I can't wait to talk about this movie. Excellent. Um, it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks uh, in movie land, but I think just the one thing, we always talk about it. I just got a one bullet point. Our friends at Movie Pass apparently ran out of money last week, and they had a service outage, which they blamed via Twitter on technical issues. And then the next morning they had to disclose to regulators when they borrowed $5 million in an emergency loan that had they not done that, their service would have been terminated. They're so. like taking Twitter tips from Donald Trump. Like, just throw something out there. Everybody will believe it. I suppose it was the truth, right? When you don't have – you don't pay your bills and the credit card companies cut you it's off. Technically it's technically a technical issue. Technically not working. Yeah, right. right. Technically not working. <laughs> right. So anyway – uh, again, to all our subscribers who enjoy MoviePass, I encourage you to get out there and use that MoviePass while it still works. The article that you sent me made some sort of reference like, get out there and use it. You might not be able to beyond this year. And I sort of laughed thinking like, beyond this year, they ran out of money yesterday. <laughs> what, <laughs> right. how, long, how long can it possibly go on beyond now? I'm, I'm amazed you could still use it today. I think it's interesting. Their stock got their parent company's stock got as low as uh, uh, nine cents a share. They did a reverse stock split to get it up to fourteen dollars a share, and then the next day after this outage, it was down to six dollars a share. <laughs> Man, rough day for anybody. Rough week. Anybody who's been holding this uh, this stock since last fall, I really feel bad for them. There yeah, some people yeah. who are gonna work a couple extra years before they can retire. They. Yeah. But, we're, but we're here now to finally talk about Skyscraper, yes? Let's, let's do it, let's, yes. Why don't you kick us off with a plot recap? I will try my best to keep this tight. Uh, basically, there's a bunch of gangster shenanigans going on in, in Hong Kong where some rival terrorists are extorting money and the other one's tracking the laundered funds. Uh, this is all surrounding the development of the tallest building in the world. A major terrorist is trying to retrieve a memory card containing the details of the money extortion, which is housed inside the Hong Kong skyscraper known as the Pearl, and that's the scene of our action. Will Sawyer, played by The Rock, is a, I don't know how to describe it, a security QA'er, I guess, quality assurance guy, an analyst, security consultant. consultant. All right. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's brought in to assess the security of the skyscraper. 
uh, but is actually in the process being set up by a friend to do so out of, I guess, this friend's jealousy. When he attempts to inspect the off-site security controls of the major building, he is ambushed to get access to his security tablet and now ultimately learns what he's up against. The gangsters start a fire in the middle of the skyscraper. They kill employees of the developer, knock out the fire uh, and security systems, and Will falls into the hands of the police. When he realizes his family is directly above the blaze inside the building, he makes a daring escape, breaks into the building, locates his family, and works against all odds to save them from certain death. And that's Skyscraper, right? I mean, that's I got the, the major bullets there. You got the major bullets and several minor bullets there. All right. All right. You really, that was a robust Good. plot recap. Uh, what did you think of Skyscraper, buddy? Uh, skyscraper was ultimately exactly what I expected. I, you know, it didn't disappoint because I went in with pretty low expectations. We joked about it being one of those movies that might make us unintentionally laugh a lot. I didn't have a lot of those moments. I had a bunch of eye-rolling moments, but maybe not even as bad as I expected it to be going in. How about you? This movie made me angry on just about every level, (laughs) and it angers me and I knew you were going to say, like, eh, it's a summer blockbuster. It's a yeah. turn-your-brain-off popcorn movie. Yeah, and right, I just right. think, it, no, this is a stupid movie. Everything about it was stupid. And I'm all for escapist, exciting action entertainment. Uh-huh. I, I love action movies. I love adventure films. I love sci-fi. I love comic books. So I'm all for it. But this one was just a dumb one. Okay. And we're all dumber for having watched it. Well, we're not we're not all dumber for having watched it. I mean, a lot of people didn't go see it. It's it's not doing that well. It's not doing that great, which I was I'm actually thrilled with. But this is by the way, the the audience that I saw it with loved it. All those eye rolling moments you're talking about, people actually cheered. (laughs) And I just got sad. But I just think this movie It's unnecessary. Everything about it is unnecessary, and it should make Everyone who falls into the following categories, very angry. Fans of the movie Die Hard. Firefighters. Architects. Amputees. Computer programmers. Office workers. Police officers. Anyone who owns an iPad. The people of Hong Kong. (laughs) Fans of Dwayne Johnson. The list goes on and on. All of those constituencies should be... People that like movies. Yeah, yeah. Just, just really tough. What did you like? What did you like about the movie? There were the things you enjoyed. There was nothing that I can point to that that I would say I liked this about the movie. I think that it was exactly what I expected going in, and was semi entertaining enough. I guess one scene that I found really funny that I guess would qualify as one that I liked but only because it reminded me so much of another movie. There's a scene where Will, played by The Rock, is fighting his friend that I mentioned in the plot recap, whose name I can't remember. They're having a an actual fist fight in one of their hotel rooms or offices or something like that, or apartment. It's a knockdown, drag out, nasty fight against Will, who is an amputee, as you referenced, and, and that comes into play in the fight. And it reminded me so much of the scene in The Naked Gun, when Early in the movie, O.J. enters a boat that's at harbor, 
And, like, just a series <laughs> yes. of bad just keeps happening to him, and it just keeps getting funnier and funnier and funnier. Like, yeah. he sticks his hand in a bear trap, and, you know, yeah. it clamps Burns on his, his finger. He burns his finger on a stove. He, he yeah. ruins his suit by falling into wet paint and just goes, oh, no. Like, that is what this scene reminded me of. Like, like everything <laughs> just kept getting destroyed in the room. Like, they ruined their plasma screen TV, and I just imagined yeah. OJ going... Oh no! And so throughout that whole scene, I just couldn't stop laughing. So I guess I liked that about the movie. Any anything that you liked about it? No, and and I don't want to sound uh, like a jerk here. I like again. I like this kind of movie, and I'm afraid of heights, and I like mm-hmm. action. So that in theory, this movie should have been scary and exciting and fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And what they did, the filmmakers that made it unnecessary, is they. On a scale of 1 to 10, they amped everything to 25, right? Like, there's a sequence. The building in this movie is 225 stories tall. First of all, that's just stupid. Second of all, there's a – you referenced that Will has to get back into the building once it's on fire. But he has to get back into the building above the 97th floor. So he he steals a motorcycle, drives across Hong Kong, and then climbs a construction crane – more than 97 floors high. So like a, like imagine a ladder, like a really arduous, like weird ladder, not, you know, kind of standard heights. So you're stretching everything. And you have to climb it 97 floors. Yeah. First of all, I don't know that that's humanly possible. And Clearly I don't know impossible. That you could do yes. it in less than like an hour, but he does it in like three minutes. Like I got to think that the elevator on that crane to get up to the control would take you a good hour to get up there, right? Like, that's got to be forever to get into the Long control time. cabin of the crane. Yeah. I, I just think, so, anyway, he, he's up on the crane, and then, of course, he swings the crane around, and he has to run across a crane and jump off it, right? This is even on the poster. And the jump from the end of the crane to the building is, I don't know, 25 feet. Something that, and I had just the weekend before this movie watched world championship track and field meet where I watched some of the best long jumpers in the world. I don't think any of them could have made this jump and they certainly couldn't do it running across a a two foot metal beam, a hundred floors in the air. So if you want to have a movie like this, make it a, make it a 10 story building that he's got to climb up. You look, you're on top of a 10 story building and you look down, it's really high. And if you want to, if you, if you're going to run across a crane, I'll even give you that he's going to run and jump off the crane. Make the jump 10 feet. Right. Again, he's jumping off a crane onto a burning building via a broken window. That should be very, very scary. And a good filmmaker should be able to make that really intense and really uh, like a, a thrilling scene. Once you've made it 100 stories, it is so ridiculously over the top and unnecessarily stupid. It's not thrilling it's not exciting it's just dumb yeah and the whole movie was like that like there's a sequence where you mentioned that the i mean the whole convoluted plot is beside the point but the the billionaire guy who's got the memory stick locks himself in his penthouse on the 220th floor behind like a three-foot titanium door and Dwayne johnson figures out that there is a subroutine in the security system that will allow him to open the door But the genius billionaire has hidden this inside a terminal that is only accessible from the outside of the building on the 200th floor at the top of a wind turbine (laughs) that's constantly spinning. So Dwayne actually has to 
go outside the building with duct tape on his hands and like Spider-Man his way across the window glass. Which he did acknowledge was stupid before he did. But that didn't stop them from doing it. Then he has to jump through the moving turbine. Like it goes by like every three seconds or one second. He's got to jump in between, then scale up this thing to access a little computer panel. Now, if you were a billionaire and this is the – first of all, if you want to have a panic room but you want to have a a way for someone to get into your panic room, that seems a little at odds. Would you put that subroutine inside a terminal that's only accessible outside – even if that's how you access it, isn't there a ladder that you would, could get in? You, you actually have to go outside the building and climb around and then jump through moving, moving turbines? I mean, it was like, what the F is this all about? Like, this is the stupidest thing anyone's ever done. It was just an excuse to try and shoehorn in an exciting moment. And when there's a building full of armed guys chasing you and it's on fire and your family's in there... I got to imagine there are ways to have an exciting sequence without having to do You're something kind of so already stupid. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do agree with you on all of that, and like you, I also am—I I don't know that I have a phobia of heights, but it is the kind of thing that that gives me the jitters. And I really enjoyed the movie. Was it what? What was the the walk? The one with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yeah, walking between the the World Trade Center towers. Yeah, I mean the forty-five minute sequence of that. Like, I could barely look up at the screen half the time. I was so anxious. It is so tall based on a true story. So when I saw this preview, you mentioned this being the poster scene of him dangling from the skyscraper. I thought, well, at the very least, that's going to be an exciting moment. And I can't believe that they could possibly make it so unexciting, so yeah. uninterested. It was boring. And and to add insult to injury, as he's running across that you know, one foot metal beam to leap at least 20 feet to the building. He's wearing dress shoes. Like he's wearing loafers. Like, I mean, of right. all things, like I, I know you escaped the police to get here, but I, maybe even barefoot would be better than the dress shoes at that point. Like you're, you're just going to slip. It was, it was really silly. It was really silly. And you know, I've talked to a couple of people about the movie and they say, yeah, but isn't this a Dwayne Johnson movie? Isn't he sort of a superhero? You're just sort of, again, suspend disbelief. And again, I'm all for suspending disbelief. That's fine. But there has to be some element that is, in fact, believable or it has to be made in a way that, that I can do that. But there's a sequence with his wife, who's played by Nev Campbell, and she has to walk across. They like put a a wooden plank uh, maybe 15 feet across a huge gap in a bridge that's 100 stories above the, the ground. Right. And she walks across this plank and gets their son, who I'm going to say is eight years old. He climbs on her back and she's walking back across the plank. And at one point, of course, she falls. But she's able to catch herself on the plank, which is not attached to anything. This is just a piece of wood balancing between two points. But she she lands on it. She catches it with her arms. The boy is still on her back. And then she is able to lift herself up, get back up on the plank, and carry him across. I don't know there's a person alive that could do that. Correct, yeah, yeah. Even The like, Rock, was, yeah. Even even Dwayne Johnson. So it was like, and again, why make it 15 feet? A three-foot gap over a 100-story drop that's on fire and your kid is on the other side? Pretty thrilling. Yeah. Pretty right. scary. right. Making it 15 foot and the, the wood has got one inch on either side that it's just barely hanging on and it bounces. But yeah, you can fall on it. It was just like, this is so over the top 
unnecessary. I just was getting angrier and angrier as the movie went on instead of being thrilled and excited. I think that the things that made me the angriest were the really the the really bad writing in the film. So the I think that the director was also the screenwriter. I've never yes. heard of this man before. The, the first scene of the film is just the worst in screenwriting exposition that you've ever seen. It's it's uh, Dwayne Johnson. Well, I guess the second scene of the film. Dwayne Johnson and his wife Nev Campbell talking about. You know, he's going into this interview to talk about the assessment of their security system at this skyscraper. And apparently she she infers in in her conversation that he's been working and preparing for this meeting for six months. Yet in order to give us, the audience, the background as to what's about to happen here, he's explaining the importance of this meeting to her as if she's never heard about it. And they seem like they've got a good marriage. Like the kind right. of people that would probably chat at night about stuff and not just watch TV next to each other. And right. so so if he's been working on this presentation for six months, I'm guessing she gets that this could be a game changer for them. I'm guessing that she she understands that if he gets this job, this is important for their financial future and his career. But it's just exposition in the worst, worst way. Not to mention the score that's playing during that scene, the music is like straight out of a Lifetime movie. It was, it, I mean, we're, we were five minutes in at this point, and I'm thinking, oh boy, this, this one's really well, going to be a doozy. And let me ask you, I, I wholeheartedly agree, what was his job? Because my takeaway from that conversation, as I'm watching he, he and his wife talk, I think, okay, he's going in to propose a security system for this building. He's been planning for six months, studying the schematics, getting ready, here's what you need. And he hopes to get the the contract to do this work. Instead, what we see is him giving a PowerPoint presentation that basically says, your system is adequate. And now I'll sign off on it when I go over to this offsite building and just double check something. So it sounds like he already had the job. Yeah. And it's like, how is this a make or break moment? He's going in to say, all good. I completely agree. I don't understand how you've prepared something for six months without having the job. Like, if you're working on something for six months, you better be getting paid for that during that time. So right. I didn't... Uh, there, there was reference to insurance in the movie, so I didn't know if he worked as a subcontractor for some insurance company that by him giving his stamp of approval to this, the company will be willing to insure the building, and now the developer right, but can even, proceed. And, but right, I agree, but if that was the thing, right? Like once I sign off and the the insurance people will insure the building, he's going to the meeting knowing he's going to sign off on it. Right. So by the time they're in Hong Kong on vacation having this meeting, the conversation should be, babe, it's just a formality. I've spent six months studying this. I've the the building's locked down tight. Everything about it is great. All I got to do is go upstairs and tell them you're good. I sign a piece of paper and we get the check. That's the conversation. But instead, you're right. It's like, boy, I'm really nervous, and I hope they like me. And it's is like, is this shirt okay? I it was hope really they weird. like you. Yeah. You've had full access to the building's security system for six months. If they don't like you, this is the the least tight security ship in the history of security. Also, why did you need? If you've had access to the system for six months and been able to come up with your quality assessment here, why did you need to be on site for this meeting? Couldn't you have done this remotely? Like, that Skype, seemed, right. Yeah, right. That, that so, seemed weird. I, another person I spoke to about the film said, hey, at least it's not a, a sequel. 
right? Like, hey, it's something new. It's an original piece of content in the in the world. You should just be, we should all be happy and just be thankful that there's something new. And I had to say, it is not a sequel, but I don't know that there's an original idea on film here. This is essentially a diehard ripoff, but it's also written with every cliche Mm-hmm. Imaginable. Now, when I tell you as an audience member before you see this movie that the, the, Dwayne Johnson's family is in the in the building and I say he has two children, I I imagine that the first thoughts you're going to have are one of the children is either diabetic or has asthma. And this one checks that box. And or one of them is a computer hacker that will somehow have to hack into the system using her tablet or her phone and like types of emojis in and reactivate the elevator system. I mean, that's the kind of movie we're watching here. We also get the his old friend who got him the job as a turncoat. We got the wife aids the police because she's actually smarter than the police at doing this job. The bad guy will kill or threatens to kill his own men. Um, Dwayne Johnson can't just be a security expert. He has to be an ex-FBI hostage recovery former Marine uh, special forces Security expert. Well, the you, news you was, have to the do news... that in order to believe it about a guy that's that big. I right. mean, he's huge. You would have to build in that backstory for him. Why? Uh, other... Dwayne Johnson was not special forces. He's uh, a big guy. Otherwise, I you'd have to say he big. used to play football for Miami and maybe was a pro wrestler. That would have had to been his backstory. Why not that? All right, anyway, <laughs> the news will indicate that the hero is the bad guy for some crazy reason. And immediately everyone watching the news will, will think he is a bad guy. They'll have a full dossier on him, including, like, airbrushed portrait photos of him. Um, and the only scenes that we will get of the family are scenes where the it's either exposition or the family telling each other how much they love them, love each other, so that later we can think, boy, he really loves his family. I know because I saw him tell them. <laughs> right, right. Can't we just all take at faith that he loves his family? Isn't Fair, that enough? Yeah. I mean, again, you think back to Die Hard... John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, and Bonnie Bedelia, who played his wife, they're they're estranged. They're separated. They're mad at each other. They fight like cats and dogs in the movie, but I believe, believe they, they love, they each, love other. each other. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. He risks his life to save her, even though she left him and took the kids. Yeah. But I still like but we don't need ooey gooey scenes where their only dialogue is, hey, who loves you? I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Love you, kid. Hey, love, 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 love. We're all in love. <laughs> Guess what? You're we're family. We love each other. Later, this will be important because we love each other. It's you know just what, unnecessary. Though, you know what? I would I would take that dialogue over the dialogue that we get uh, in the final act of the film. When in order to save the family, he's going to have to cut the elevator cable with an axe, and then goes on a really long explanation as to why <laughs> this is the right decision, and and right. it's going to have to work. At that point, I got to believe, you know, my my wife, whether she believes I'm doing the right thing at the moment or not, I'm doing the only thing that I possibly can and is just going to go with, okay, cut the cable and then I'll pull the brake. Like, a- end of story. This, this is how it's going to have to work. Got but it. he explains all of the science behind why it works that way <laughs> right. and the, the right. semiconductors and whatnot. Like, and I was, dude, yeah, I was we don't have time for this. We don't it was so time. bad. I was waiting for the kid to look up and be like, Mom, don't you remember the report I just did on the guy who invented the elevator? <laughs> right? That's the kind of movie this was. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Listeners, I'm so sorry that we're just going on and on. The movie is really bad. It's really dumb. It is 
And it's the type of movie that you want to see in the summer. It's the type of movie you want to just grab some popcorn, chill out, have a just beer, and just escape. One. Just yeah. not this one. All right. Die Hard turns 30 this year. And I promise you, if you go back and watch the original Die Hard, it is so much more exciting. The villain, played by Alan Rickman, is so much more rich, complex, and and evil and fun to watch. The hero is great. The building is high and exciting. The action is tough. That's the movie to watch. Yeah. It is so well done. This is just a terrible, 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 terrible copy. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And... What's up with the whole point of this building being called the Pearl and having this giant 20-story ball on top that when you walk inside is just a bunch of computer screens so that you can have these giant mirrored pillars come up randomly throughout the space and you see yourself. So it's like a like a fun house of mirrors 200 stories in the air and the guy thinks this is going to be one of the world's most visited tourist attractions. I didn't Why? I didn't under, I didn't understand that either. I mean like I think you see cooler things at Epcot. Like that yes. to me wasn't all yes. that impressive. I I completely agree with you. Obviously the introduction of that early in the film contributes to the final climax of the film, but it reminded me do you remember the movie with Michael Douglas Disclosure based on the Michael Crichton book? Yeah. Like, uh, this is probably 25 years ago. In that film, virtual reality plays a really weird plot point where, like, he, he actually gets kind of trapped in virtual reality to escape a bad guy at some some point in the film. Very, very weird. And it just seemed like we were shoehorning technology into a thriller completely unnecessarily. I never understood. I thought that the book and movie told a very interesting story. I thought that that was just such a weird, stupid thing to insert into it. Likewise here, this reminded me exactly of that. Why do we have this room of funhouse mirrors? This, this is dumb. We could, we could have come to the final resolution of this without that. Completely. And if the goal was to have some sort of tourist attraction, that is going to be like the biggest cluster. Like one at a time, you take this elevator up to the 220th floor and you walk in and you get to see yourself and you're like, whoa. And then you come out and someone else goes in I'm one gonna, at a time. I'm going to be really pissed if I burned a fast pass for that one. Like, right. You, right. You flew to Hong dumb. Kong for it. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Just... I don't even have what's up with because the whole movie is like, what's up with this movie? Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple. I mean, the fact that, you know, we have that intro scene where he used to be like a, a hostage negotiator or whatever. And that's how he meets his wife, Nev Campbell, who's a, a surgeon or, or something at, yep. a, a, um, at the hospital. Ten years later, we cut to immediately after that and they haven't aged at all. I mean, we, like, we, we didn't even try to make them look younger in that first scene or older in the subsequent scenes. Um, why does his wife, played by Nev Campbell, whose character's name I cannot recall, need to be at the the landing zone when the bad guys are going to jump off uh, with the parachutes? Like this becomes a big thing where they're trying to track where the guys could be jumping off of the the bad guys could be jumping off the top of the skyscraper with their parachutes and where they're going to land. What is she going to do there? Like ID the bad guys and then they're going to like that was completely ridiculous. Like I'd say you should stay as far away from that as possible. 
But she does ID the bad guys and, in fact, disarm one of them, save a police officer's life, and then turn on the fire system for the building. Which which was absolutely the most eye-rolling, annoying what's up with ever is that, of course, the, the only thing that she needed to do was reboot the iPad and now she can get the fire system back on. You know, a plot point from early in the movie, when your phone's not working, just shut it, do a hard reboot, and probably the problem will fix itself. Of course, that was the case here. But even if that's true, like, she can't figure out how to hard reset her iPhone, so how is she understanding the interface of the fire system on this particular device, which is not an right. iPad. It's something proprietary. And right. how, how is she getting that? It well, was- and it was a really bad character moment as well because this is a, an army-trained uh, surgeon. So she's a very capable, intelligent woman. And in the beginning, we see her hand her husband her phone being like, I don't know, it doesn't work. Fix it. And all he does is turn it off and turn it on. And she's like, oh, you're the best. Thank you. And it's like, that... You're right. It doesn't speak well to your intelligence. And then later you'll just turn it off and turn it on and you fixed it. I didn't put – I put computer programmers in the list of people who should hate this movie. Yeah, I think you had them in there. But anyone who owns an iPad was on the list because (laughs) to hell with that. Also, this movie suffers from uh, the casting director – and the way that the script is written, early in the film, we see Dwayne Johnson. Right when he's introduced, he's a FBI hostage uh, recovery team member, all kitted out, right? He's got bulletproof vest on, helmet, gun. He's going in to save his family. And we see him and Pablo Schreiber, who plays his friend. I just saw that guy's profile, right? Hit the side of his face, one second, sure. I think, up, oh, he's the bad guy. Because he's an actor who's been in a number of things. He's far too famous to just be a buddy character. Okay. And, like, the moment you see him, you're like, clearly he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah. Like, it, it's just whoever cast this movie, don't put him in that role or introduce him a different way. Because his only point in the whole film is to get hurt and then later be the guy who uh, worked extra hard to get Dwayne Johnson the contract and talk about what a good buddy he is and then immediately stab him in the back. Yeah. That's his only role. He is that's his function in the screenplay, and to put someone who we've seen before do in that role makes that so completely eye rollingly obvious that it hurt my it hurt my feelings. <laughs> this movie hurt my feelings. That's what it boils down to. Mike, are you ready for five questions? Uh yeah. Let's do it. Let's let's wrap okay. this up. I think we've we've said our piece. Yeah. Five listeners submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Here come five questions for Skyscraper. Question number one. Dwayne Johnson has starred in more than 30 films with a combined box office of $9.7 billion worldwide. At what point will he not have to be known as Dwayne The Rock Johnson? When has he earned the right to just be Dwayne Johnson, which the posters have been for the last 25 films? Is is that, like, even this, he's billed as Dwayne The Rock Johnson? No, no, but even in the episode, right, you keep calling him The Rock. Everyone just thinks of him as The Rock. When is that over for him? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, he... He picked it, right? I mean, this was his branding. I. But he hasn't used it in 20 years. 1999's... It was 1999's... uh, the Mummy 2, right? The Scorpion King. He was doing The Rock Johnson okay. still. But once he stopped being a wrestler and just moved to being a film star, all his movies are just Dwayne Johnson. Oh, when will he outlive that? Yeah, yeah, great question. 20 years later, I'm guessing never. 
Unless, unless maybe he runs for president, which I ran, read in Rolling Stone. They had kind of teased it. He didn't tease it. They teased it, and he entertained the question. Well, he's joked, and this listener submitted question number two is, how far into the 2020 presidential primaries do you think a Dwayne Johnson, Tom Hanks ticket would get? Oh, boy. I think I even read some sort of analysis of that, Not a, maybe not around Johnson, but around Tom Hanks potentially running for president and why it wouldn't work. Maybe I'm even thinking of Oprah and why she wouldn't get far and all of the reasons why. I had to keep thinking, like, well, how, why would you say that? Like, why would you think that they wouldn't? Uh, Ronald Reagan was an actor that became president. We've voted in celebrities before, people with just politics in their pedigree, their bloodline. You know, family history has become a reason to vote. Uh, unless unless we've we've now seen what, what uh, voting for somebody with no political experience and just a celebrity name behind them will get you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not too far. Fair. Question three. This movie's rated PG-13. Why is, in a PG-13 movie, it okay to use the F word one time, but not twice? If you have the F word in the movie twice, it gets an R rating, but you can get away with one. I didn't know that. Why is that okay? I have no idea why that's okay. Maybe we just assume, like, kids have too short of attention span to catch it if it happens once, but but by the second time, you've, you've actually paid attention and made a reference of it like that's an important word no idea Fair. okay yeah. I, I didn't, it, it, are, did you fact check that is that is that a real thing to yeah, that's on gets you gets you an r rating yeah. Yeah. yeah all right question number four this listener wrote so let me get this straight this movie is about a married man in his 40s a father of two whose body isn't what it used to be he goes above and beyond for the family he loves yet still feels trapped even at work and his only likely escape is death. Remind me, where have I seen this story before? <laughs> it's not much of a question, I guess. That listener just seems to have a sad home life that they want to share with everybody. Every time I look in the mirror, pal. <laughs> question five. This person wrote, The Rock, I mean Dwayne Johnson, stands six foot five, weighs 260 pounds, and sports 20-inch biceps, 31-inch thighs, and a massive 50-inch chest. Put simply, Dwayne is a beast. Can you imagine tussling with such a humongous Johnson? <laughs> no, I can't. I, uh, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> no, no I cannot. No. I, w- I would die. But another funny point in the movie, like, how was that fight with him and his old friend even a fight? Like, how did that guy survive six seconds into that argument? Yeah. yeah. yeah like, rough. he is a beast. He's, he's enormous. And that's five questions. Thank you, All listeners. Right. Great questions. Thank you, listeners. All right. It's clear what we thought of this movie. You should skip it. Watch Die Hard. And go out and see our next upcoming film, which we'll be talking about, which is Sorry to Bother You? Yes, Sorry to Bother You. All right, well, we'll look forward to that one. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. 
We'll be back again next week with another episode. But until then, enjoy the movies.